Alco's Mainstream Podcast, we have a special guest on an important topic that's core to why alts are going mainstream, community. We have community builder extraordinaire, Max Rothery of Finimize on the show. Max is responsible for engaging and serving Finimize's 1 million global audience. Finimize is building the world's largest finance community of investors globally and building community. In four years, they've reached over a million subscribers, 60,000 per year attend their member organized events, and Finimize was recently acquired by 197-year-old Aberdeen PLC, formerly Standard Life Aberdeen, a FTSE 100 investment firm with over 464 billion pounds of AUM. That's the UK's largest active asset manager. Max brings a wealth of experience in community building and digital transformation to the table as he builds community for Finimize. He previously led innovation and digital transformation for Society General's private bank. He also brings a unique perspective from the creative industry to bear as the founder of an independent production, publishing, and recording company. Max and I had an absolutely fascinating conversation on the underpinnings of community and how to build an engaged community in financial services businesses. His thoughtful views on how to build community can serve as a playbook for how to successfully build a thriving and engaged community. We talk about everything from how community gives companies a way to scale trust and relationships to how to enable the community to self-regulate itself taking me back to my day studying international relations as we discuss the parallels between nation building and community building. Thanks, Max, for such a rich conversation that we can all learn from. We're going mainstream. Max, welcome to the Alco's Mainstream Podcast. Thank you for having me. Great to, to have you on the podcast. I think you bring a really interesting perspective because what you've done at Finimize to build community, over a million Finimizers strong, I believe. It's been pretty incredible. And I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned for financial services companies, both startups and incumbents. So really excited to dig into all that today. But first, where I want to start is your background. You have a fascinating background in a number of different ways. So we'd love to hear your journey and how you ended up at Finimize. I always find that community builders have had random backgrounds. <laughs> I don't know why, but maybe it makes us more empathetic uh, to other people. The way I ended up at Finimize is I was leading digital and innovation for a private bank. So it's SockGen's private bank in the UK. And I'd spent a few years solely focused on what does the future of wealth management look like and how do you attract the next generation of high net worth individuals from a pure technology play. It was a complete standalone startup with its own funding. And I'd got fairly far, I thought, in that journey. And I met Max, sorry, the other Max, or my CEO. He had the newsletter and had about fifty to 100,000 users at that point. And I was talking him through what I was thinking. And I was like, look, robo-advice could really be the future. And we can automate so many different flows from like acquisition through to advice. And he was like, yeah, that's cool. But it's not going to work. You should come and work for us. And I said, well, I'm pretty far in this. We've had some pretty smart minds working on it. I think this could work. And he said it won't work because if you want to engage the modern world with investing, you've got to stop telling them what to do. And you have to get out of this advice mindset. 
And that's when he switched me on to empowerment. He was like, what you really need to do to get someone to engage. And this is the same. I don't know if you have children or you've ever tried to get any of your friends interested in anything. Giving someone advice and prescribing what they should do and trying to take that sort of classroom mentality of I'm smart, you're dumb, you'll never understand this, uh, always switches people off. Whereas if you put information and tools in their hands and let them go on this self-discovery journey, it ignites this fire. And that's when he said, look, stop messing around, come to Finimize, come and solve this properly and, and come and figure out what community looks like. So I joined Finimize with no background in community and a few years in finance uh, under my belt. That's, that's a fascinating background. And it's also interesting to hear about your journey from working with high net worth individuals at a private bank, at a large financial institution, and now working with individuals. I think most times people think about the lessons learned from an incumbent or financial institution that can be brought down to the world of fintech as these new upstarts try to figure out how to build their businesses. I actually think that the way in which people think about consumer finance and the retail investor actually has a lot of lessons learned for the high net worth crowd. So almost putting things in reverse from your background, what do you think are some of the things you've learned from working with individual investor at Finimize, building community that can actually be applied to, if you could go back and tell Climework Benson and Sock Jen how to engage the high net worth client, what would be some of those things you'd tell them now that you had this experience with Finimize? I love this question. This is like the, the most me question I think I've ever been asked. So before I was working in banking, I was running a record label in music. I had no idea about the world of finance and done a few bits in marketing. So I joined that world of wealth management with no background and no interest. And it was so intimidating. I was the outsider. And you have two options. You either go with the grain, learn the language, wear the suit, speak the jargon, or you try and change that. And it's always excited me to try and change that. So that's kind of what I started to do. Being that outsider is why it resonates with me running community at Finamite. I'm not a dumb person. I know I'm not a dumb person. I know that feeling that our users have or our members have of, look, I'm not dumb, but I can't get my head around this right now. The way you're explaining it to me is not useful and it's not helpful. That is what I took from working in the private bank and working with high net worth individuals is like, your level of wealth has got almost zero correlation to your financial literacy, your investment knowledge, your chance of being a great investor. There's no connection there. So I think if I would go back, you just start treating people as people. And I think the best way to do that is with community. And one of the things that really sort of sticks with me from my time in wealth management was the value that people got was so rarely the investment performance. It was so much in confidence, trust, like everything was looked after and the connections that they made when they were there. If you're an entrepreneur that sold your business, it's so comforting to meet other entrepreneurs in that same position. And all of that stuff actually comes from community. And I think if I went back to wealth management today, I would double down on that model and was looking at something similar before I dived into Finimize. So I really want to unpack this because we do have a lot of listeners from the wealth management community. So more institutional, they run wealth management firms, they work at large financial institutions. And I, I think it's hard to grasp in many respects what community means and what the value of community is. So first I want to break down what community is in your mind and what that means in the context of community in financial services. And then I want to get to, okay, how do you actually 
think about building community, both for an individual consumer or like your former employer, Dresner Climbboard, or even the, the current firm that Finimize is affiliated with now after getting acquired by Aberdeen. Congrats on that, by the way. And I think that's actually a fascinating, fascinating landmark transaction for the world of fintech in many respects. But let's start with community, what it means and what it means in the context of financial services. To me, all community means is your members participating in your mission, interacting with each other. I think if anyone's struggling to determine the difference between called a community and an audience or community and customer, it's like, are your members interacting with each other and are they creating value for each other? That's kind of all it is. Let me use Finimize as an example about how I think about this because you can apply it to any sector and any business. Our community strategy and our goal as a community team is how do we create value for our members interacting with each other and then how do we use the insights from those interactions to supercharge the rest of the business? To dive deep on the first part of that is like, okay, how do we create value? Well, first you understand what is the value they're trying to get. Well, we're trying to help people become smarter investors. And when we dive deep with our community and we understand what that sort of being smarter means, a big part of that is hearing other people's opinions, validating your own ideas, hearing from people smarter than you and helping people that are further behind in their journey. So instead of us trying to build that product, why don't we elevate the community and empower the community to create that for us? So I think you'll see in Finimize, we now have an event taking place every single day of the year. We had 70,000 people attend those events last year, and they're all pretty much run by our community members. So that is created with a small team and empowering our members to create value for each other. So one thing that's really interesting in there is something you said before, which is, Financial services has tended to be top-down and prescriptive, people telling others what to do. I think that's in part because they're obviously, it's a profession with experts, and then there's a lot of people who may not be experts, and that's, again, that's totally fine. But what you're building at Finimize sounds like, to some extent, structured chaos, where you're enabling people to interact with each other in a way that they benefit from but you don't necessarily control or are telling them how to do something or what to do or what to learn. How do you balance those two things and enable that chaos to create these moments of serendipity or learning or connections, but also do it in a way that benefits both your users as well as Finimize the company? This is where the first thing that happens is financial institutions panic when we start saying this. There's actually skill in community building. We don't just put people in a room. And that's why a great community builder spends all of their time establishing the values of the group, establishing the rules of engagement for the group, establishing what good looks like, acting like a great member when they're in the room. And all of these soft factors will determine you to have a good and scalable community experience. There's a fantastic article by... Airbnb on designing with your customer in mind to set expectations and make sure you're meeting those expectations. And the example they use is of being the mutual friend, inviting someone to a party. Now, if you're that mutual friend and you don't tell them anything, they just walk into a room, you end up standing on the edge of that room, awkward, maybe a couple snacks, don't talk to anyone and you leave. If you beforehand, make sure that you've introduced them to someone. You tell them like, hey, it's going to be a dinner party. Make sure you bring a bottle of wine. Here's the kind of people that are going. Here's what you should wear. Here's someone that you should meet. That exchange is completely different. And those are the kind of skills that community managers have in order to design the interactions with each other. And what you'll find is the community then starts self-regulating. 
And this community will start calling out anything that doesn't align with the principles of the group or the principles of the membership or the values that we've instilled in everyone. So on that point, how do you go about building community? What was your strategy at Finimize to create this community, create the structure for the community, and then enable community members to get value from being part of the community? The way that we started was really simple. We understood that there's some value in members meeting each other and hearing from experts. So no brainer, we ran some events. And when we ran those events, we were getting requests, like we've got a global community, we were getting requests from all over the world, saying, can you run a Finimize event in my area? And I think at the time, there was just two people in the community team. So we couldn't, you know, fly to Boston or fly to, to Cape Town. So we just gave them the playbook. It's like, look, here's how we do it. You organize it and we'll email the people in those areas and they'll turn up. And then I think within like six months, 12 months, there were Finimize events in 35 different countries. 10,000 people attended in person from like Bali to New York to Singapore to Hong Kong to India, literally all over the world. And that's how it started. And then now where we progress that to is we use that approach all the time. So let me use the events for an example. The insight that we gather from those events, we understand what people are talking about, what the key questions are around different topics, what topics are trending. We use those insights and then take it to our sales team, our growth team, our content team. Because the content that we put out that is trending and answers all of the questions that's on our community members' mind will perform better. So with the community, what you're trying to do is align the value for your members with the value for your business. And we're a subscription business. The, the more our community enjoy our products, the more likely they are to retain their subscription. And it just becomes a really easy uh, relationship. You talk about alignment here. You used another word earlier on, trust. That is critical to building community. Both trust to the company that's providing community or creating the forum for community, like Finimize is, and trust between members. How do you think about creating trust at Finimize, both with Venomize to community members and community member to community member. This is something else that I haven't actually thought about to you ask that question. But the other thing I learned in wealth management is that trust is created in relationships. It's not created in slide decks. It's not created in products like real, real trust, especially when it comes to high net worth. That's why they hire bankers that go for lunch all the time. It's built in those relationships. What community gives you is a way to scale that. Like I said, last year we had 70,000 people attend events. The first year we did it, we had 10,000 people attend events. Using community tactics to scale, that means that you're basically scaling these in-person relationships and trust and having a really clear message about your values, who you are and what you do. Coming from a third party that has got no financial incentive, is there because they believe in the mission, is even more powerful. So community, I actually think, is the secret to scaling that trust and scaling relationship-built trust. What are the things that you've done that have enabled you to scale trust? I spent a long time studying the greats of community. There are tactics involved to this and there's like skills and frameworks that you can apply to scale community. I'll give you one that I think is, was pivotal for us, which was taken from political campaigns. It's referred to as the snowflake model. We call it decentralized organizing now. And you'll see this all the time in Web3. And it's about establishing a core team of founding members and then training them up to be leaders, 
and then training them to give their roles to people beneath them who can then recruit more people in individual teams. Say you start with a group of four or five leaders. As soon as they all recruit one or two people, that quickly scales to 20 people organizing. And if they do the same, that quickly scales to 60 to 100. And that's how we will build out scalable community interactions and make sure that we have quality control because all of the people leading those interactions have been trained by someone that's been trained by Finimize. Is the challenge there in the fact that you you have to cascade and export your values to those people? And I can imagine, sure, that could work, but it also may run the risk of somebody not exporting those values in the way that you may want them to because they're representing Finimize in a sense. So how do you handle that challenge of getting people who may be passionate about the Finimize mission and values, but may export those values in a slightly different way. This is one of the reasons why I think community managers make great promotions and great business leaders, because it's the same as when you scale a company from 50 people to 1,000 people. Partly, if you embed the right culture and values, it self-manages. That's part of it. But a big part of what we do is opening the books and giving them clear feedback and clear data that they can see themselves. So, for example, the host hosting our events have direct access to all of the MPS scores that come in as soon as their event finishes. They can see that feedback loop. And if the people that they're hosting events for aren't enjoying it, that behavior ends pretty quickly. So it's about opening the books, building in these feedback loops, and then also finding ways to have regular check-ins, the same way that you do when you scale a team. Interesting. So you almost think of these people as team members, in a sense, that aren't directly part of the Finimize team. And because they're not part of the Finimize team, that in and of itself is their strength. And they're able to build trust in a way with other community members that you could never do because it would look like you're just trying to sell them something that they are not. Exactly. The truth is the mission that we're on is bigger than Finimize. We can't accomplish this as the team that we've got. And the mission wrong is so important that we want to empower everyone to be able to act as their own financial advisors because if we think we can do that, we can increase the net worth of a generation. And I believe that deeply. The more people that take control and feel empowered to understand and engage with their finances and investing, I think there's a very clear knock-on effect into the net worth of a generation. We can't solve that just on our own. But with a community of a million people behind us, we start to be able to make a real impact on the world. If you're a company, it's really important to have lofty, ambitious goals that people are incentivized and excited by. If you're just outsourcing a bit of work, no one's ever going to do that. So you're hitting on something which is fascinating. And as I'm listening to you in this conversation, it actually brings me back to my days of studying international relations and political science, of nation building, of creating narratives, having lofty aspirations as a collective. And you mentioned that you're taking and borrowing some of your community building strategies from political campaigns. So it really makes me think about the similarities between nation building or state building and community building within the context of a company. Is that how you think about things when you say we have a really lofty aspirational goal? Yes, is exactly how I think about it. It is exactly how I think about it. And this is a nice segue. Introduce Web3 you're properly building a nation now because you're introducing your own economy. And the the skills that we've learned as a Web2 brand around community building, we can see Web3 slowly starting to figure a few of these things out. But it's exactly around that. When it comes to Web3 and getting people to participate and having financial incentives, it's almost even more important to have a really clear narrative, 
really clear goal. Are you creating spaces for people to build strong connections to each other? Does this mean we're going to see the Finimize DAO sometime soon? We're working on it. We're working on it. It's us holding our members back. This is the amazing thing about Finimize. Community building is all about opening the gates, breaking down barriers and letting them go. So we've got a, a Discord server that's completely built by our members. Within four teams, we've got uh, content creators, resource collectors, culture ambassadors, and event hosts or radio show hosts. Those four teams also last year helped us organize the largest virtual crypto summit in the world. We had Mark Cuban speaking, Tim Draper was there. It was huge. They also ran an NFT drop where all the proceeds came to an up-and-coming artist, and that artist was voted on by the community. It sold out in two, three minutes. This is the community self-organizing because we all believe in the same mission. That Discord is still running. We've st started playing with tokenization, with NFTs. Um, if it was up to them, we, we would have our own funds. We would have our own currency. We would have a PFP project out there. So yeah, we're excited by it. And I think it's difficult to stay at the cutting edge of community without getting involved in Web3. Where my mind goes with that is you're creating and coordinating this community that is so passionate, so powerful, so knowledgeable because of the collective that it sounds like they want to not just bring together human and social capital, but they want to actually direct financial capital somewhere. Is this the future and the evolution of fintech businesses in your mind where companies wedge in is starting with community and then that community or collective then becomes an investment fund or platform because of that? I love this interview. Yes. And I don't think it's just finance. I think it's every company. So I think what you're sort of touching on there is the trend of community ownership or turning your customers into shareholders. And I think you see that with, I know you're familiar with crowdfunding, but you see that with crowdfunding and you see the passion that people have when they may have put $200, $500 into a company. And that passion is where you build community from. But you see it with Web3. They have ownership and they're so passionate and they want to engage. And if anything, the more you deliver for the members, the more it aids the benefit of the business. And I think what you're starting to see as well, or a trend I'm predicting, and, and this is why I'm bullish on the chief community officer, is that public companies are starting to do this too. But just imagine, you don't need Web3 as a public company for your shareholders to participate in the financial upside. They, they already have stock, but there is no communication between that company and the shareholder. But imagine Nike literally promoting their ambassadors and most passionate advocates and people who love their brand to have a say in the company, have ownership in the shares, and also have a say in the boardroom. Vote on their emissions policy, vote on their diversity of their staff, vote on their next products, really build community with your shareholders. And I think it's that trend of community ownership and, and bringing in the financial side of that that is, could really impact people's bottom line. But I think it's a, a huge trend going forwards. So on that point, do you think that every company should figure out how to, one, become a community company and two, figure out a way to make their customers stakeholders as well? I think they could. It's always a fun exercise to think you could build a community with every company. If you're not going to be able to be authentic with it, I personally wouldn't bother. And also, if there's no passion around it and it's purely transactional, I personally also probably wouldn't bother. I don't think every company has to be a community. Every company could build community. But if you are purpose-driven and you do have passion in your audience 
then 100%. give you another sector that just should go two feet into community. That's sport. The amount of passion in football teams or soccer teams or NBA teams, how much would the members love to participate in the upside of the Lakers or launch their own podcasts or attend exclusive events? I hear there's a relatively famous London-based football team that's up for sale right now. Should the community members buy it? <laughs> the, the hint yeah. is that they're blue. Yeah, and I think Conor McGregor's in the running for it as well, right? Um, <laughs> well, think about this. He has millions of followers. So what if he was able to coordinate his followers to help him buy a club like Chelsea? Exactly. Exactly. Or like that. So what Web3 is doing that's interesting is sort of making those rails a bit easier. Because think of the paperwork of just trying to sign a million people up and decide that voting structure and what does it mean to be an owner? The problem isn't the willingness to do it or the demand. The problem, I think, is in the tooling and some of the knowledge of community building. I talk about this quite a lot of there isn't a playbook to be a chief community officer at the moment. There might be a a handful of people in the world and certainly there's a handful of people that have experienced engaging shareholders and working at that large-scaled and public company level. But I think the more we push on this trend and more community professionals can share their insights, share their knowledge with the world, share the frameworks that we use, the more likely that is going to happen. But it's a trend that I would bet the house on is that this sort of customer to shareholder and community ownership, whoever gets that right is is ahead of the game. Yeah, you bring up a really fascinating point with the world of sport. Actually, some of the podcasts we've already had on Alco's mainstream recently are in the world of sport. The founder of So Rare has been on, the president of Angel City has been on, a new women's soccer team where community is such a big part of what they're doing. These businesses, to your point, community's inbuilt in what they're doing because you get such passionate fans. So how do you make them feel like they're owners? It sounds like the key is community. Many companies, particularly larger companies, haven't had a chief community officer you mentioned that being such an important role. So if you could share a little bit of advice for either executives who want to build community. So think like if you're talking to the CEO of Goldman Sachs right now, what would you say, here's the playbook for building community? Or if you're talking to CEO of Nike, consumer business, what is that playbook in your mind? And what are some actionable pieces of advice that you would give executives in the C-suite on how to build community? Great question. And I think it's the same whether you're Goldman Sachs or Nike. You need to find a way for your members to meaningfully participate in your company's mission. Let's say it's Nike. Everybody is an athlete. And no matter who you are, everybody is an athlete. What does that mean to Nike? And what does that mean to their members? First, open up the board's mind to that. The second thing I would do is your job as the chief community officer is to know your customer and potential customers better than anyone else on the planet. We understand the retail investor better than anyone else on the planet. And I can say that because even this week, I'm looking at thousands of messages going back and forth. We know if something's going to trend before it hits social media because we built such an engaged private community. We understand the journeys that they go on better than anyone else. And what that does is that helps us when it comes to our media partnerships, when we're working with helping financial institutions try and communicate to this modern investor audience. It means we know exactly what they think of their brand, exactly the challenges that they need to overcome and the pain points they need to communicate with them authentically. Now, if we can do that as Finimize, you can definitely do that as Nike and you can definitely do that as Goldman Sachs. So I would start with, like I said, figure out the mission and figure out how your members and shareholders and customers can participate 
in that mission. And then I would think about, okay, how do we deeply understand who this customer is? There's a great article by a shout out to Rosie Sherry, one of the best community builders out there, called Community Discovery. It's almost like product discovery, really simple framework to follow to understand what is the value that your community members are going to get and what value can they bring to your business. Then the final piece is how do you scale that? How do you make it meaningfully scalable? But it's not just here's a passionate small group of fans. How do you engage the entirety of your customer and the entirety of your shareholder base? So that's the process that I would follow. And I don't think it matters what, what brand or what sector you're in. Do you think that it's important to focus on that core rabid group of customers who love the mission, are super engaged, super involved? I've talked about this before, actually on a podcast with Alexis, uh, Community Times Capital, a tattoo test. People who are willing to go to such lengths to actually care about their community, engage with it, even show it off. Is that the key, is getting those true fans activated? Or to your point, what you just said, which is why I bring this question up, is it more about going out to the entire community? Not everybody may be that subset of true fans, but you want to engage everybody. A great question, and one that troubles community managers all the time. The answer to me is you start with the most engaged people because the way that you segment your audience, and this is a common principle in community, and I think applies really well, is 90% of your customers, audience, and community broadly are going to lurk. They're not going to engage. They're not going to spend time out of their day to participate in your mission. Doesn't mean they're not getting value. Like we do this all the time. Our NPS scores can come back super high. Some of the times the lurkers who don't participate, don't speak, don't say anything, love your product the most because there's a match. I'm here to lurk. I'm here to buy a product. That's it. Leave me alone. So that's 90% of your audience. So what you do with the other 10% that matters because that other 10% in there you'll have 1% of people who are super fans, these people that you're talking about, the tattoo test people. And we did actually launch, we did actually do Finimize, uh, they were fake, but we did Finimize tattoos quite recently. Hey, maybe somebody was just trying that out to, to get the real one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So 1% will be these super fans. They will be the people that will spend their days contributing, creating content, creating new concept, building teams, recruiting team members, really, really unbelievably engaged. The other 9% are the people who are going to respond and interact with those people. But what that means is you start with the core group, but you have to program content and engagements and you know events and ways to participate for every level. So how are you engaging your super fans at 1%? How are you getting the most out of the 9% of people that are going to participate? And then how are you bringing value to those lurkers? So that's how you reach everybody. But, but if you're thinking about what can I get What's the output I can get? I would focus on the top 10%. Two things. One, does Web3 change this at all in terms of how you think about engaging both the true fans and then the broader community? And this is tied in with Web3 too, but the advent of social media and platforms outside of your own <clears throat> platform that may engage community, how does that impact how you think about building community too? You have the, the power, but also the detraction of a platform like Twitter or Discord, which is not is not Finimize's business, but you leverage these platforms as well. So how do you think about advent of both Web3 and social media, which are tied together as both ways that can impact and help build community, but also potentially weaken the ties? It's kind of like nation building. Everything outside the state can weaken the state's ties to their customer, the 
person who's part of that state. So I'll start with Web3. The reason that community is so fascinated by Web3 is that we've done everything intrinsically. We've motivated participation intrinsically. People believe in our mission. That's why they get involved. What Web3 introduces is a way to you know, motivate people extrinsically. Because if you just motivate people with money, you attract the wrong people. And they switch off very quickly if they don't make money very quickly. What Web3 allows you to do is sort of solve that, a bit of that problem. The reason I find it so interesting is it puts those rails in place to make that easier and to tier engagement. So for our most passionate fans, we might have a bespoke partnership where we create a one-off NFT. We did something very similar recently where we had the community hosts vote for the best member that they think just deserves this one-of-one, very rare, special NFT. That goes to that person. The other 50 hosts that were engaging building this discord server they might get an exclusive perk then you might have a lower value nft for someone that's joined or just got a ticket so it, it just web3 allows us to start playing with that it builds excitement it, it basically just puts fuel on the fire of community building but the principles of community building don't change at all for us we haven't had to change any of our process to start thinking about how we'd approach web3 and then your question about social which is sort of a channel question as well we're fully agnostic of where you meet us, where you engage and where you discuss with us or how you want to interact with our brand and how you want to interact with the community. We've built community before using a Google Doc. It's not the platform that matters. The platform is just the medium to connect to the audience. The reason that we try and not build community on social platforms is that the problem that we're trying to solve is to be the signal amongst the noise. We're competing with Google and Reddit and Twitter and TikTok and, and YouTube, like all of that free amount of information that you can get on investing that is overwhelming, sometimes a bit untrustworthy. That's why people pay for that subscription. That's why it's a premium product because we have analysts that curate all of that stuff, give you their take 10 minutes a day and you're done. Go and live your life. Don't spend your life in a basement staring at screens. So that's why we kind of try and take it off platform and try and keep those discussions curated and, 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 and controlled rather than put it in that place where there is, there is loads of noise. But yeah, if a group of our members want to go and build a Twitter group, like go for it. If they want to, if they want to go hang out in Snapchat, then go for it. I don't really see there there as much of an issue. Is that where you really trust the exporting of values that you talked about earlier that you are so good at sharing the mission with the right set of people within Finimize community who will then export those values to others that no matter what platform they're on, because we've seen the pitfalls of community or affiliations of some people in a certain community saying certain things, believing certain things. And that could be on platforms that are not affiliated with the company, but you're putting trust in people, which is a fascinating balance of they may not stand for everything that you stand for mission and values wise at Finimize. And depending on how they're portraying themselves in their affiliation to, you know, Finimize community, whatever, that may have some collateral damage for you. How do you as a community builder and manager think about the balance of those two things? I think this is why we're bringing a new perspective to the industry because my thought process will always start at the opposite end. I think our members will know more about our brand and will create more exciting things than we ever can. And they want to. Let me give you an example. When we started hosting these in-person events, we had 
These two hosts will stick with me forever. Paul, he was out in Hong Kong. Shout out to Paul. You're the goat of, of Finimize, um, Finimize ambassadors. But he, he was in Hong Kong during the Hong Kong riots. And everyone was pretty much locked in. The streets were lined with police. No one went out. He took over this cafe, hosted a Finimize event in there, and then sort of called me, like, it must have been late in the evening. Like, video called me and he was like, look at this. And there was a hundred plus people spilling outside the cafe, watching in through the window. And they were trying to get in to watch someone from Bloomberg giving a macroeconomic presentation. And it's like police lining the streets. It was just unreal. In India, our host, Dig J, another shout out, fantastic, fantastic host. He created a roadshow where he, one Friday, Saturday and Sunday, flew from one major city to the next in India managed to get sponsorship to play for his and his team's flights. And every event had like 300 people at it. We had done nothing other than give them permission to get involved in our mission. I think that's the new mindset that we're bringing. And it ties all back to this. We believe in empowerment, not advice. And I think that's when the magic happens because they're perfectly aligned. Now, they were vetted hosts. We're talking about the top 1% or the top 10% where they're vetted, they're trained, we're aligned. But that to me is more how I look at it is that you can try and control or you can set really clear vision, really clear values and get that community building tactics right. And that's where the magic stuff happens. I want to take this point of what you just said of making sure you're engaging community, getting them to trust you by empowering them, not giving advice to what happened recently. You were acquired, Finimize was acquired by Aberdeen, one of the world's largest oldest wealth managers or asset managers in the world. How did you balance, A, doing that, which is a fascinating transaction for a number of reasons. How did you tell your community about this? And how did you enable them to continue trusting you while knowing that you're also affiliated with an old financial institution, even though you are, in many respects, disrupting fintech and financial services? Yeah, it was great. It was so great. First off, we just keep doing our thing. And this is the power of, of community, we are so tight with our members and we're on this ride together. They were very, very happy for us. They were excited and they're excited to see what's next. But let's dive into that. Like The reason that they love Finimize and Finimize resonates is that we're bringing this new perspective for investors and we're bringing a new perspective for it, the industry. Like The same way that I felt like an outsider, or even if you've worked in finance before, there's so much jargon and so much unnecessary complication they resonate with us for that. So the fact that we're now working with one of the biggest asset managers in the world, the fact that the Finimize CEO is now the youngest FTSE 100 executive in the world. Well, he started Finimize five years ago. Now he's leading one of the biggest asset managers in the world. The community are buzzing. Like, they're so buzzing. And we now have got access to an investment institution, loads of analysts, loads of research to make Finimize even better. And it's making our mission even more real. So the community are up for it. So what made Aberdeen decide to acquire Finimize and what does the business combination do for the Finimize community? The thing that was really interesting about Finimize and Aberdeen was we were aligned in our values. I think their tagline is enabling better investing and ours was empowering better investing. It just clicked very, very quickly. We're trying to achieve the same thing. The other thing is that they're very, very forward thinking and understood when we spoke with them, they completely understood that in order to help people make more informed decisions at scale, 
content and community sits right at the heart of that. And Finimize does that better than anyone else out there. The genius of the strategy is buy Finimize, let them grow Finimize. So many startups get acquired and they try and layer management on or they try and find too many synergies or cross-platforms. No, we've got a very clear mandate here. We're going to grow Finimize as if it was a growth round. I think you know, that speaks to it. We've all got the same vision. Rule after empowerment and enabling. We create fantastic content. We have a modern investor audience. They put out a lot of content. It, it seems like a no-brainer. On our side... We get to benefit from their huge network of partners. So our media business, where we help financial institutions communicate with our audience, we now have got a much larger network and pool to, to draw from. On their side, they're bringing in talent. The people we hire are incredible. Our analysts are from Goldman's, Fidelity, Schwab, Wells Fargo. And the creative talent are from like Monocle, Blinkist, Wall Street Journal. We've got an amazing talent pool. Just to have that cross-pollination of talent within the company, to me, is a smarter strategy of innovation than I've seen other places do. And then the final thing is that I know the CEO, who I think is a true visionary of what he's doing with Aberdeen, was a Finimizer. He used Finimize and he saw what we did. And we see this a lot with high-profile and smart, experienced people that work in finance get what we do. Mark Cuban spoke at that event and he told us he loves Finimize. He reads Finimize all the time. Because it's back to this point about wealth management. It's not to do with being financially illiterate. It's understanding that it's harder to give high-quality investment analysis in bite-sized format than it is to do that in long form. You're hitting on such a fascinating point, which is a trend we've been seeing, why I think alts are going mainstream, why crypto is going mainstream, and it's because the individual has become empowered. And in some respects is more powerful, influential, and important than the institution. The fact that the Aberdeen CEO is on Finimize speaks to that. We hear it all the time, honestly. I, I, I have to ask the team to pull out the amount of senior people that work in banking and finance that use Finimize and love it. So then on that point, Aberdeen clearly had a mission and vision fit with what you were doing. They understand how you're building community. They're letting you continue to do what you do incredibly well, which is build community. Do you think that this acquisition will usher in an era of traditional financial services firms coming to the realization that they have to acquire communities in order to be able to build communities? Or do you think they'll be able to build it on their own? That's a great question. So first off, I think Finimize is a unique business at the moment. I don't think you're going to be able to see other asset managers going and buying similar businesses because I can't think of many that do what we do. But I think what you could see is us ushering a new era of empowering investors and enabling investors and doing so in a way that's built for the modern investor. It still blows my mind that you know, if I want to listen to music, I have infinite access to all music anywhere I go at the click of a button. But if I open an account with a bank, I still get sent this much paper through the post. So it's about ushering this new era of building products for the modern generation and, and, and for the modern investor. And I think as soon as you're building for the modern mindset, you can't do that without community. I don't think there are many experienced community professionals at the moment in finance. I'm hoping to change that. But I think that appealing to the modern consumer, community is part of that. I'm obsessed at the moment with uh, luxury fashion and 
you know, the big change that's come in at the moment is that they've started listening to their customers and bringing that into the product. Whereas before luxury was all about building walls and exclusivity and oneness and uniqueness. Whereas now it's about access and experience and knowledge and creativity. And it's all come from listening and involving your customers in that feedback loop. I think you're going to see that trend across all verticals. Finance is probably a bit behind and is a bit more difficult to do uh, because it's regulated and there's, there's money involved. Long answer to say, yeah, I hope so. It'll be fascinating to see if traditional financial services firms figure out how to embed community into what they're doing because you look around and you see the power of community and how it's changing people's behaviors, changing how they interact with institutions. And ultimately, many financial services firms are in, in the business of distributing product. But that comes, to your point, to bring this full circle back to trust. Without trust, they, they won't be able to distribute their products. And that's how they make money. So it'll be fascinating to see how they balance those two things. Because you got into a lot of nuance here around the ability to make community members trust you because you're not necessarily selling something, but also you have to build a business. These financial services firms have to build a business. So that balance, I think, is going to be fascinating to see going forward. I saw something really interesting. I think it was Matthew Kobach on Twitter say it's the death of the sales funnel. And it's such a great concept because it's true. And that's, community is not about selling anything, but it means that you're top of mind. It means that you have trust. You know, and when it comes to finance, that's everything. But even if you look at platform businesses like B2B, there's a huge B2B community playbook out there. Salesforce has got one of the best community teams on the planet and they're a huge B2B platform. The opportunity is ripe. Yeah, I I totally, totally agree. I always end this podcast asking every guest the question of what's their favorite or most interesting alternative investment? Now, I'm going to add a twist for you related to the last comment you just made, which is the opportunity is ripe. So one, what do your members, based on what you're seeing, find to be the most interesting or their favorite alternative investment? And same for you. What are my members into from an alts perspective? Well, look, it's probably no surprise, but I know that they love crowdfunding and participating in companies at an early stage. I know that NFTs are big with our audience. I know they're starting to explore into sort of the... the the digital metaverse and the digital real estate environment. What we're starting to see is a diversification of their portfolios beyond stocks and bonds and and commodities. And I think they're 100% most excited by the digital opportunities that alternative assets bring. And and what about you? What about me? Alternative assets. This watch is pretty cool. (laughs) This watch I love. It's a 1965 Omega Constellation hasn't been touched for anything it's something that i've recently got into wine is another thing that i recently got into. i don't know if you did this right in pandemic just filled my time with random stuff <laughs> and that ended up being watches and wine what's fascinating maybe not surprising given the fact that you build community is that the types of assets you're talking about passion assets community is such a big part of that my guess is you're not only wearing these watches or drinking or, or buying this wine as an investment because you're excited about the return potential. And certainly you are, and watches are a great example. Wine's another great example. But the community that you're able to get from that. A hundred percent. The reason I know that I like this watch and fell in love with this watch was six months of diving into 
Omega forums and community forums and talking to people and setting up WhatsApp groups. The reason I got into wine was I joined this wine group that's all about helping each other educate themselves and taste wine and kind of break down that jargon that exists in finance also exists in wine. And community is just like the modern way to access anything. And you're 100% right. I, to be honest, don't care if this goes up and down in value anywhere near as much. It's not like I'm going to sell it. I love this thing. I've spent ages researching it. And the community is the entry point. And if you are a brand and you're trying to move into that space, trying to create a community to sell them a product just doesn't make any sense. But creating a community where they can participate in your mission, solve a problem for each other, like learn about watches or onboard yourself into the world of wine, start with community 100% with no, no incentive to sell. Just build value. And I can guarantee the insights you get from there will supercharge your business. That's an incredible takeaway for anyone who is interested in financial services in the alt space or building investment platforms, communities, because to your point, community is the entry point. And that's another reason why I think these passion assets or alternative assets that we wouldn't normally think of as investment opportunities, but are proving to be because the value of community, whether it's the flex value or the kind of intrinsic value behind some of these assets makes it really powerful and communities at the core of all that. For sure. And also it gives you a narrative to have a conversation. Talking about price points and asset values, like this is another thing that I think we really appeal to the modern investor through because we're not talking about PE ratios. Sometimes we do talk about PE ratios, but that's not the narrative. The narrative is like, what do you think the world's going to look like in the future? And how do I own some of that? How do I represent myself? in my portfolio and my beliefs and how do I challenge myself in that and, and learn and grow. The same with alternative assets. It gives you a narrative to talk about and a culture to get involved in. And the more your community upskills people, then they're going to be move higher up the purchase funnel. They're going to be buying more premium products. They're going to be retaining for longer. And that takes so much time to build that it's really hard to put in a business case. But Take my word for it. It works. You talked about this, though, and this is where our, our conversation comes full circle, because you mentioned earlier that the powerful thing about community is that you can turn customers into stakeholders. Web3 is a part of that. And the financialization of everything that could be Web3, that could be assets like watches, like wine, like sports cards. You're creating the power of community and you're making customers into owners. And when you make people into owners, there's a different level of care and passion for what they're doing. And also there may be, and the market structure is being built around it to value these assets. So I think that brings what you said full circle. Nice. I love it when that happens. This was an incredibly fun podcast. I think there's tons of stuff to unpack here. I can't wait to go back and listen to this one, honestly, because this was just such a fun conversation and you got into so much great stuff about community and why it's so important. So congrats on what you've done at Finimize and and everything you've taken from your prior careers to do that. It's made, I think, what you're doing really special. So thanks. Thanks so much, Max, for an incredible conversation and for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. It's such a small Venn diagram of, of people that are excited by this. Yeah, let's continue this conversation. Good luck with everything. We'd love to. Thanks for listening to this episode of Alt Goes Mainstream. I hope you enjoyed it. You can find more episodes of the podcast at any of your favorite podcast sites. And you can read more about alts at my Substack, altgoesmainstream.substack.com. And follow me on Twitter at, at Michael Sidgmore and at Goes Alt. Thanks a lot and have a great day. We're going